0: It's condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, we have another installment of Winning the Job. We're going to start by hearing from Nathan Clark. Nathan is currently a member of the Air Force Band's Ceremonial Brass, and he just won a position with the president's own Marine Band. It was really great to speak with him about how he felt his preparation helped him be successful. I asked Nathan, why do you think you were successful at this audition? Let's hear what he had to say.
1: To be honest, I just felt like I was comfortable playing. Um, I don't know if I really did anything differently, per se, than what I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. It just had a level of uh, comfort while I was actually in the room playing. Um, Just kind of relaxed and didn't really stress about uh, what was actually coming out of my horn too much because I knew I could play the notes. Uh, I was just trying to be as musical as I could and uh, try to make a statement with what I was playing. in that level of comfort just being able to play musically and um yeah (laughs) basically that was it i mean just trying to make music out of the excerpts and try to make them hear or try to try to allow them to hear that i could actually play the music and be as musical as possible and so with the auditions you you know you would take on you we were at chicago together and um cincinnati i think I, i can't remember if you took the pittsburgh audition I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you did because. Uh, well, we were all talk. lamenting after the. Fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So. Um. So if it was similar kind of preparation, um, did you feel comfortable with those auditions too? And that this just one is the one that happened to work out, or do you feel like you were more comfortable with this one, and that was like the thing that put you over? Um. So in in a couple of the auditions in Chicago and also in Pittsburgh, I know. So I didn't advance out of the pre-runs in either of those. And I was questioning a lot about my playing at the time. Um, I was working on some different things in my playing. My, my low chops have always been an issue, which um, on those two auditions were never really that big of a, a deal. But in playing with a couple of different ensembles around D.C. area, I was questioning my intonation with... Some of the people that I was playing with, which makes you go back and question, um, like, am I losing my mind? Is my are my ears like, as, are my ears good or are my ears just absolute crap? Okay. Um, like, there were there were certain times where I, I would leave rehearsals in the DC area and just be like what am I doing? Am I able to tune with anybody? Is anybody able to tune with me? And I think in the recent couple of weeks or prior leading up to this audition and uh, San Diego the week before, like I kind of got to a place where I was comfortable with myself, comfortable with my playing and comfortable with my intonation as well, which, uh, lended myself to be a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more free to just play as opposed to questioning everything that was coming out of my horn. Sure. So do you feel like that a little bit of extra preparation, kind of the detail work led to being more comfortable? Yeah. yeah. What kinds of stuff are you doing to, I mean intonation is such a, a weird thing because it's all conceptual based on kind of what you hear, but what kinds yeah. of things are you doing to uh, try to improve your intonation? Um. Well, I was playing with people who actually have really good intonation, um, like have really good ears and playing with them and getting their critiques on what I was doing, but also just doing some, uh, like I was just doing downstairs, just have a tuner on the background, like not necessarily doing drone studies, but just having it on there and like I have a Peterson strobe tuner, not the... Real super expensive one, but like one of the little digital ones, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see it out of the periphery if it's like going crazy. Like, you can see it that it's just gone absolutely crazy. But then once you actually get to the point of like setting on a note where you can see if it's setting, see if the tuner is actually uh, locking in, you can really just see that in your in your background and it. Even though it's not like front and center, you're still working on it, and you're still sure. just uh, kind of getting that locked in into your brain. So Yeah, yeah. So what kinds of other things? Um, I mean, you could just talk about in general if you weren't doing anything drastically different. What kinds of things were you doing on the excerpts themselves to maybe work out the technique or may, make sure your musical plan was? You were talking about making statements. Like, how are you making sure that the statement you were trying to make is what the, the committee was hearing? Um, I mean, for so the excerpts for the Marine Band are pretty standard. I don't think, I don't know if they've changed their list in a couple of years. Um, so I, I was lucky enough that I had taken the audition two years ago and I advanced to the semis, but didn't, uh, didn't make it to the finals with the one where Chris Larius won. one. Mm-hmm. And, um, during that, I got a couple of comments. There was one excerpt that really tripped me up, which was the list so basically in my routine for uh, maybe the last month or two, I knew it was going to be on the audition. So I would like warm up. And then the first thing that I would play would be that just to make sure that I knew that I could do that with any given note, without any given notice, just be able to pick it up and play it. So I just worked that into my routine. Um, the other ones I had worked up years ago. So basically it was just dusting things off similar to what you would do in an orchestral audition. Sure. Um, sure. Like you don't have to, pound the dirt to get Mahler 5 to come out anymore or Petrushka or anything like that. Like You work on the finesse of it or the intonation of it or the timing of it. It's um, similar to the eyes uh, in this audition. Just making sure that you're in time, making sure that uh, I played it for a couple of guys in the Marine Band uh, before and uh, they gave me some pointers as to uh, make more of a line out of it. I was playing it very strict, very in time, but I didn't have much forward motion with the melodic line. Right. So just trying to pick a point in the excerpt that I would want the line to lead to and then back away. So just conceptualizing how I would want that to be and then writing it on my page as to where I want the line to lead to it it helped me to just kind of relax and think more about the melodic line as opposed to just the strict time and whether or not my fingers were going to do what they needed to do so did you do much recording to help solidify that or not really no yeah yeah. uh i I did record myself a little bit but not 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 to a great extent um, I ended up playing for a couple of coworkers uh, like three days before and got my nerves going. And, uh, you know, they had some good critiques on it, but they were all uh, pretty pleased with how I played as well. So and that just took that confidence into the audition as well. Yeah, so for you, it sounds like it's sort of just, just kind of continually putting yourself out there and that you're just going to do your thing the way that you do it. And then ultimately hoping that, you know, one of them will stick. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do anyway? That was one of the, one of the best pieces of advice that, um, I got years ago, um, before I took the first Boston audition that I had ever taken. I played for Tom Couples, uh, who had just recently won, um, the NSO position. And I went into them, I contacted them. I was like, Hey, I know you studied with guys up in Boston. You were playing up in Boston for a while. I want to get your critique on how I'm playing this stuff and how they might react to how I'm interpreting things and lead me in a direction of how they might want to hear it a little bit differently. And he basically was like, um, you just need to go up and play the way you're going to play. Either they're going to like it or they're not going to like it, or they'll ask you to do something differently if they want it to sound a little bit different. Um, and that was some of the best advice. Like, you don't know what the panel is actually going to be listening for. They could right. be listening for what you're trying to do, or as long as you put into, as long as you put out there something that they can like and something that they can work with, they're more apt to deal with that as opposed to someone who has no way of being flexible and adapting to uh, requests from the panel. Right, which is a huge part of the job in general, right, the ability to, yeah. um, you know, if the conductor wants something different, that flexibility, I, I think that can go a long way if you could show flexibility in an audition yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so what do you think, then, I, I've, I've heard you say um, a couple times now that, you know, you played for guys in the Marine Band, you played for people in and your colleagues, and then in this particular case you're talking about Tom Couples. What do you think the balance is, is between playing for other people and you know, accepting and putting their advice kind of into your playing versus you're doing your thing and you want to be confident. You know what I mean? Like what's the balance yeah. between that? Um, <laughs> I would say 50-50. I mean, you have to be confident going in with what you're what you're putting out there. At least preparation-wise, you have to be confident with what you can put in. But you have to be open to accepting – critiques about your playing, um, different articulations, different musical lines that you might not have thought of. They could hear something that would be a little bit out of tune that you're not hearing because you've played it so many times, um, that you're just used to that note being a little bit out of tune. So if they hear something that's different, be accepting of that as well. the interpretation uh, you can get into a rut of interpreting something in a way that, you know, you were taught years ago, that was correct. And you'd think you're still doing it that way, but you're really doing it some uh, doing something different than what you're uh, purposely trying to do. And they can listen to that and move you in a direction that is better musically, as well as uh, more pleasing to the ear. So, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. i I've dealt with that a little bit, you know, when you're, especially when you're in school, right. And you have the ability to play for so many different people, you're getting so much advice and you're thinking, okay, like, which one do I choose? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it's good. I I think you're absolutely right. It's good to get, you know, other people's opinions because everybody's going to have the thing that, that they care about, whether it's time or pitch or something. And if you can kind of make everybody happy, that's what you're trying to do for a committee ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And then like this audition, um, when it got to, so Tyler and I were both advanced to a super final round and basically <laughs> I'll call it a super final round. It was the two of us out of the finals that they moved on. Um, but even in the final round and then into the super final round, they, they basically, the panel asked us to do, I know they asked me to do things a lot differently than what I was trying to put out there initially and just being able to take what they're saying and incorporate it into what you're doing that you can like we like we talked about earlier like a conductor can ask you to do something completely different in an audition or in a in an ensemble on a whim's notice so to be able to incorporate that into the audition panel and be comfortable with doing that it stems a lot from playing for people who wouldn't ask you to do something differently to um please their ear as well so sure it it definitely played into this audition because the the last round that Tyler and I were in, I think it was uh, probably 15, 20 minutes of you playing an excerpt. And then they would ask you to do, uh, they asked me to do things a lot differently, like put more front on the notes, be a little bit more musical with something, um, a little bit more rubato, like just playing with different things within the context of the, of the actual excerpt. So and how do you think you developed the ability to be that flexible uh, play for people and ask them to do ask, either have them ask you to do something differently or um, play something differently and see if they can uh, pick up the differences in what you're trying to do. So, like, actively um, seek out that, like, practicing that skill as if it were a skill that you're trying to acquire, as you know, double tongue, yeah. high playing, flexibility within your own, you know, musical decisions and stuff like that. You would seek that out just as much as anything else. Yeah, I think so, because you never know what a conductor is actually going to have. Right. True, true. Um, Changing gears a little bit, do you feel like you played objectively, you know, a lot better on this audition than you had played in previous auditions? Or was it, you know, similar and this one just worked out? You know, did you play a perfect audition? You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like this was that much different? I don't think I played a perfect audition. Um, I didn't record myself, so I don't really know. Uh, I, I mean, Ideally, i I'd, I'd kind of know what notes I missed, but there wasn't always there was no whenever I went in, there was never any question that I didn't play well. Um, sure. I thought that I, I played uh, maybe not to the best of my ability, but I played uh, probably like 80 to 90 percent of what I was able to do or what I'm able to do in, in a practice room. And we all know that unless you're chris martin or tom houghton or someone like that like they even have bad days but most of the time they're at 95 to 100 percent. right yeah say. um but you know it, i felt confident in my playing whenever i left there was i think it was the final round uh there were five of us and I, that was the only round that I was like, eh, maybe I will be going home today. Uh, (laughs) uh, and I don't know what was, what it was about that round. I think it was the sight reading that kind of tripped me up a little bit, um, which I'm not typically used to doing. Uh, my, my current job is very uh, monotonous and playing the same hymns and marches all the time. And orchestras around here that i play in uh we always get the music at least a month in advance so it's not like i'm going into anything sight reading anything so that's something that i know that i should have been working on that i didn't really spend a whole lot of time working on but moving forward i will be working more on it uh yeah yeah that the job i'll be moving into will have a lot more sight reading um but i think the the prepared excerpts went pretty well. There were a couple of finger snafus on the Ives, I think it was. Um, but other than that, like I just wasn't sure, listening to some other people play, that I played well enough to advance. And I guess they heard something in my playing that they really enjoyed. So, um, Well, it's just cool. And uh, it's just cool that you think basically your musical commitment and then your flexibility are ultimately what probably got you the job rather than you know, like I was saying, playing a perfect audition or feeling like you played hypothetically better than everybody else, you just played really, really well. You were able to do the things they asked, and you just probably fit what they were looking for. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I would say that that rounds out my my synopsis of uh, of this audition. So. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me, man. I, uh, you know, taking your time with practicing and talking um, means a lot. And uh, thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, man. No problem. All right. I'll talk to you
0: later. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. I only know Nathan from being at a couple of auditions with him. We were at Chicago together and Pittsburgh together and I think Cincinnati together. And so I've gotten to know him a little bit just from the hangs we've had there. And so I was really, really excited to see that he was successful in this audition because I know he's been trying hard just like all the rest of us have and what's inspiring to me is that he was willing to look at his playing and be honest and say you know maybe it's my intonation that's stopping me from advancing at these auditions or doing well or winning these auditions and I think that's a really important lesson for all of us to learn. We should all be willing to look at our weaknesses and to try to do something to fix them and make sure we're not just assuming everything's fine it's somebody else's fault that I'm not advancing. To take that responsibility, I think, is always a really great thing. Next up, we have Sam Huss. Sam won the principal trumpet audition with the Richmond Symphony recently and was gracious enough to speak with me about his experience. I've known Sam for a while now, so I was really excited to see what he had to say about how he was successful at this audition. Let's hear what he had to say.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both um, the audition's Previous to that audition, not working out the way I wanted it to, but then also something um, I did a little bit differently for for Richmond. Um, I, I wouldn't say my preparation was as I don't know, like hyper analytical as the ones before it, but mm-hmm. I think I think it went it went well because I had done that hyper analytical work for all the auditions leading up to it. So sure. it's it's kind of like a combination of. Um, letting go of maybe some of the the mental blocks I had because I had been analyzing so hard, but then um, definitely having things work out better because I wasn't focusing on the, the small details by the time I got to the performance. So when you're saying uh, maybe you weren't focusing on as many of the small
1: details, what kinds of things were you focused on then?
2: Um, so for the last week and a half or so leading up to... The Richmond audition, I was basically not not doing any kind of like actual practice of the excerpts. It was just it was just mock auditions and you know practicing performance. So I actually had a few mocks that I like recorded for myself where I just sat in a, uh, one of the classrooms at Rice and I sang through the list. And I tried I would like play the first note of an excerpt on the piano, and I would just perform it with my voice as if I was playing the trumpet. Okay. And that was that was like one thing that was new that I distinctly remember being different about all the other things that I had prepared because I was just trying to get my voice kind of like in my head rather than thinking about, you know, the mechanics of the trumpet or other things that could get in the way of just performing an excerpt. Right. So you feel like you're almost like training your mind. Yeah, and I, I felt like that was that was like kind of like a turning point for me. You know, not just in auditions, but in my um, in, in my playing overall. Uh, how still? I mean, I guess
1: you're maybe able to get into your sound a little bit more. Or what kinds of the, what? What do you mean when you say that?
2: Um, well, it's just so. I think when I was in school, definitely because I was trying to make so many technical improvements while I was there. I, I would get fixated in a lot of things that were mechanical and kind of do things by feel rather than leading by ear or whatever the, the sound in my head was yeah. and doing you know so much more singing in those, those last few months before I graduated it kind of kind of got me out of thinking about the mechanics of the instrument and actually about the music like every teacher I'd ever had had told me to <laughs> <laughs> right um do you feel
1: did you get any comments from uh any of the people in the audition that kind of confirmed any of that
2: um I actually didn't get a whole lot of feedback afterwards, which was kind of interesting. Um, they they just said it sounded like I was, you know, ready to, to lead lead the trumpet section. That was like one of the the big things that I got. So, um, which is pretty big, obviously, for a principal job. Being able to, to demonstrate that
1: in the audition is pretty huge.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think
1: so. Um, so, that's pretty awesome, and I guess that, that that's like a difference. Uh, in this particular audition, do you mind kind of talking about some of the hyper analytical stuff that you had um, done in previous auditions that made you feel like you could maybe let go of that a little bit so you could focus more on the music?
2: Yeah. Okay. So, um, like previous previous auditions, it was you know I, I would I would basically go through and I was recording myself. You know, I would I would like pick an excerpt and I would record it and then basically analyze every measure of the thing to try to get it so that I could you know get it exactly the way I wanted it to with the interpretation that I had decided to go with and it became like I was trying to chase like a specific kind of like plan that was written out and not necessarily one that was like kind of I don't know sung whereas if you like when you're when you're performing you can have and you're singing kind of things you can have things that happen maybe that aren't So strictly planned. Sure. It's a little bit improvisatory. Right. And I think when I was preparing that way and kind of like going measure by measure, it took so much more focus because I was trying to, you know, repeat an exact plan every single time as opposed to, you know, picking up a piece of music and performing it the way I think it should sound. So do you think there's a what you're describing is kind of a, an extreme, right? You were
1: so hyper-focused, and then on this one, you kind of almost abandoned that in favor yeah. of going totally singing and musical. Do you feel like there's a happy medium somewhere in there?
2: Oh, definitely. I, I would say I still do the the, the hyper-analytical um, type of practice, but it's it's more on, like, etudes and places where I'm, like, trying to improve my my trumpet playing as opposed to, Um, things that I'm trying to, you know, be overtly musical, which is everything other than that. (laughs) So, right. So did you,
1: in this particular audition for Richmond, do you feel you played uh, better than the other auditions or maybe you were just more comfortable or was it about the same as the other ones and this is just like
2: it it worked out? What what do you think? No, I I definitely feel I played probably one of the best rounds I've ever played uh, was my semifinal rounds um, at the Richmond audition. Um, and I definitely didn't play perfectly. Like I've, I've never played a perfect round in my life I, I don't think I will or really care if I do or not, but mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where I was like, you know, if, if someone had recorded that and they were like, you know, this is, you know, this is how you feel about this piece. And this is what we're going to say. Like, this is how you feel about this, these 30 seconds of music. I think every excerpt I played in that round, I was like, yes, that's exactly how I felt this should go.
1: Oh, just total commitment. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I, I find myself leaning towards that more and more, but I think it can be polarizing a little bit, right? Where you start to make more and more of a statement that someone at that point will then have to decide I like this or I don't. It's harder to kind of skirt in the middle when you're making more statements like that.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things, um, where it's like now that I'm I'm currently not taking auditions just because I'm you know trying to do the job now and I'm not not kind of picking up time out to take auditions yet but um, it's I worry less about staying staying in that like the middle safe ground to keep everyone happy and I'm, I'm kind of like diving into more about how I feel about things and I I personally think it's more rewarding but it's I understand like when you're taking auditions you do have to like be aware of like the the standard practice of things
1: um do you feel um i mean knowing what you know now and taking into account uh kind of what happened in richmond uh just what's your take on the idea that maybe you should play the audition differently than you might play the job now that you're kind of on both sides of that
2: yeah that's maybe that's something um maybe i'm I'm still a little too uh too young to (laughs) to be able to have like a decide like a decided mind on this stuff but um right now i I kind of feel that you should play an audition a little differently than the job, but that is also just because of how many how many people I've had tell me that that's what you should do, so sure, yeah, and I just wonder if there's in the orchestra you probably can you know play
1: dynamics and volumes that um and then sounds really right that they when you're with the whole entire group, it's gonna be perceived one way, but if you put that forward in an audition, it might be perceived uh, a different way, you know, especially in terms of loud dynamics on the trumpet.
2: Yeah, I definitely definitely agree with that. So
1: maybe just like bringing it back 5% or something like that. I'm sure it makes it, you know, if you're 5% off of your maximum dynamic or something, it might even sound easier and things like that too. So that could probably be a plus when you're playing by yourself.
2: Yeah. And I guess like the, the thing I think about, um, in auditions versus like performances um, where I'm sitting in the orchestra, it's like when I'm when I'm sitting in the orchestra, I'm thinking about how my my part is going to contribute to the the greater you know emotion of the piece, the feeling of the piece. Whereas like when I'm playing in an audition, I definitely have to play the music and get the emotions and everything that I think are important. But I'm also every excerpt I'm playing is trying to contribute to um, the first impression that the committee is going to get of me and that's that's where i think that that like side motivation of it's like this is my musical introduction of myself to you in the audition that mm. might be a little bit different than you know playing in an orchestra yeah interesting that i like the way you
1: said that it's like a musical introduction like if they're if they're going to potentially be playing with you for your whole career this is yeah shaking their hand and saying yeah. hi this is what i'm about that's yeah that's a really interesting way of looking at it so do you have any other thoughts about the audition in general? Things that you um, that were interesting or important uh, for your success in this uh, particular audition?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, you know, you talk about things I did differently for this one. I actually I'm thinking about it, and I, I did do a lot of things differently. Um, so I had tried um, beta blockers for many auditions before that, and I, you know, when I was in school, I definitely had some pretty crippling stage anxiety um, when I get out there to the point, like where I would be shaking so bad. I couldn't even like keep the mouthpiece on my face before i start next. Wow. It was it was, one of those things where I like kind of worked through it, doing everything I could, reading all the books I could on anxiety. Um, but what, what it came down to is I just like realized that I'm just going to be nervous every time I take an audition and I got to just kind of learn how to do it. And once I like just accepted that there was nothing I can do, Somehow that, like, helped, helped my anxiety.
1: <laughs>
2: um, and I got, I got to the the Richmond audition, and I had forgotten my beta blockers. And I was like, it was one of those things where I could have freaked out and said this is going to go terribly. But I was just like, well, you know what? I was like, you're prepared. Just go out there and play. I was like, the worst that could happen is that you sound terrible and you get to have a nice time in a different city for a couple days. Yeah, nice. That's a really healthy way of looking at it, I think. And I'm sure that contributed to whatever
1: amount of comfort you felt. You know, being okay, for me, maybe you can speak about this, but for me, being okay with both outcomes I think releases you from what happens in the audition. Like, obviously you want to win, but if you're okay with losing, which is much harder to do, uh yeah, it frees you up to just say, I'm just going to play, and however it works out, it works out.
2: Yeah, and that's actually what I was going to get to is, like, it was the first audition that I like I had decided that like losing this audition was not going to change like my overall happiness. Like, and that was, that was like a huge thing for me to like let go of. But that was, you know, when you're in school, you're like, I want a job, I want a job. And you can like, you can make that, that drive be like what defines you, I guess. Sure. You know, whether or not you're successful. Um, and I think like when I, when I let go of that, a, because I forgot my beta blockers, and B, because the morning of the semifinals, I was staying in an Airbnb that was in a uh, it was in a basement level. And that night they got, I think, seven, maybe eight inches of rain. And I woke up, and the basement apartment I was in was flooded. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, maybe this is like some kind of uh, sign from above that... Maybe today's not going to go so well. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what can I do? I was like, my my trumpets aren't they aren't flooded. My clothes, luckily, were set out like on a couch, so they were fine. So I just kind of like waded through to the you know where the landlord was, and I was like, can I, you know, come and shower in your place and warm up here? And he, he thankfully let me. But I think because the the day started with like a you know I'm at the bottom, I just kind of had the mentality I was like, well, it can't get worse, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I think
1: uh, any kind of those stories where it, it just shows your mindset is the thing that's really going to determine how successful you are or are not going to be. Um yeah, I think that's a very very important thing and it's really cool that you uh, you know, you have that story to be able to say I was successful in the midst of this less than desirable circumstance. Mhm. So,
2: that's really cool, man. Yeah. yeah. It was it was definitely uh Interesting, interesting time. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, sharing with me a little bit, some of your experience.
1: And um, Yeah, of course. It was great right, to hear from you. Man. All right, thanks again, man, for doing this.
2: Yep. All right. Talk all right, to right. you later. Bye.
0: Over the years that I've known Sam, he and I have talked quite a bit about how to move towards having more commitment in your playing and how to break free from focusing too much on the technical aspects of playing the trumpet. But what he said about all of the work he had done previous leading up to helping him be able to let go of his technical considerations is something Barbara Butler, our teacher, used to talk about a lot. That every audition builds upon itself, and that it's important to try to learn from every experience, but also know that the work you've done on something like pictures at an exhibition will always be there, especially if you're practicing in a way where the music that you've worked on is gonna stick and you've learned it deeply. Another thing I think that's interesting about what these guys talked about is they both mentioned that they felt comfortable at their auditions, and it was due to some of the changes they had in their preparation. So if you're somebody who's struggling with auditions, maybe it might be time to look at the way you're preparing for these auditions and asking yourself, am I setting myself up the best that I possibly can to succeed? I think that's going to be all for this episode. If you'd like to follow me, you can do so at That's Not Spit on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I also have a website, that's not spit.com. I have a blog on that website where I talk about behind the scenes stuff about the various episodes that I'm putting out, so make sure to check that out as well. I'd like to thank Sam Huss and Nathan Clark for allowing me to talk to them and also giving us a look at what made them so successful and giving us some advice on how we might be able to apply some of those things to our playing. I'd also like to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode of the podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening.